0: Welcome back to Adulthood Friends. This is the discussion-based podcast where two former childhood acquaintances, now friends, discuss the things that inevitably matter.
1: Inevitably matter. Ooh, inevitably, that's your adverb of the week.
0: Yeah, and this is actually part two of a two-part thing on... <laughs> thing? <laughs> it's part, uh, a 2 Two-part episode. It's a two-parter. It's two episodes, but also one large episode. We're
1: gonna resolve the cliffhangers of the last episode.
0: Yeah, we left you guys hanging a little bit, so we're gonna we're gonna pull you <laughs> off that cliff and back onto solid ground now. So we're gonna continue talking about trauma. This is trauma part two.
1: Trauma, not drama, but trauma.
0: Not drama, although drama may come up, as it did in the last episode. We <laughs> left off with the cliffhanger of what type of defensive strategies Josh has. So from the Four Fs, which I'm reluctant to call that, because he sort of takes <laughs> it the wrong way. But the four so Fs, wrong. what were they again? Do you remember now, Josh?
1: Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? Very good. You know, I think okay. I might need a little bit more time to think about this. Maybe maybe the music should play.
0: You know what? That's a good idea. <laughs>
1: and over the course of the music, I might have an answer for you,
0: Okay. Of which perfect. kind I am. All right. Well, let's uh, cue the music.
1: Did it start yet? <laughs>
0: We're back, Josh. Yeah, hey, yeah. Have you had time to think?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Fight, flight, mm-hmm. freeze, or fawn. So this is how one reacts to stressful situation.
0: Oh right, yeah. I guess we should recap what that was in case you've forgotten over the course of a week. So yeah, the responses that you kind of automatically go into when when there's a perceived threat. So it's usually mm. if someone has experienced some kind of trauma, or they more easily flip into these states, mm-hmm. or defensive structures, as I called them last time, sometimes it will be kind of a flashback. And um, what do you think? Like, what do you think your reaction is your automatic reaction is to feeling perceived threat?
1: A perceived threat. So is the person is it let's say it's a person is it if the threat is a person? Yeah, is it? If are they they're the threat? So like, would I fight that threat?
0: Yeah, it can be a person. But it's more like, you're in a situation that that reminds you of something. So let's say, for example, this is a weird example, but you know how you have that word perfectionism? Let's talk about your word perfectionism.
1: My word Josh. perfectionism? Is that, like, I want to find the right word for something?
0: Exact right word. So,
1: well, not that I ever do. I always find the wrong words.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I. I thought I was picky about words that I chose.
1: You mean like when we're writing descriptions and stuff? And, yeah.
0: I mean in life. And yeah, when you're writing descriptions, <laughs> when you're talking, you seem to sometimes your brain won't let you continue the sentence until you found the right word. Like you'll kind of trip over a little bit because you're like, oh, I need to find the right word. And you told me once that that's because uh, I think you told us all once that that's because you were kind of. Was there something that happened to you early on that kind of? It
1: could be one of the reasons, or main reason that the, I do this. But yeah, with my mother, for example, she would punish me so easily if I said the wrong thing.
2: Right. She would
1: either not just punish me; she'd get she'd yell at me or scream. She screamed. I don't know if I mentioned this. My mother screamed a lot. You know, she our household was filled with a lot of yelling, and so we didn't like it when she yelled. So I'd always try to do, you know. I'd have to and if I said something in the wrong way, it could lead to that. So I always tried to find the exact right way to say something.
0: So if someone, let's say right now, if you were in a situation and someone started screaming at you all of a sudden, and you kind of you would have maybe, let's say, an emotional sort of flashback to being a kid being screamed mm-hmm. at by your mom. That's that's what we're talking about with the, okay. the kind of triggering, right? Because it reminds you, and in a way, your brain doesn't see a difference between being an unsafe kid in that environment and being the adult that you now are
1: right so how do I deal with that threat
0: yeah what's do you know what your response is
2: let's see
1: if I can figure this out
0: okay let's see
1: I really do feel like your guest these two episodes
0: <laughs> oh good yeah
1: just read me the whole book
0: lead you the <laughs> entire book so you should read this book by the way I highly recommend this what's
1: the book again complex PTSD from surviving to thriving oh so it gives yes. you ways to deal with it. Good.
0: Right. Not just to survive, but also to thrive. And it's by Pete Walker. Mm-hmm. This was a therapist recommendation. Okay. And being the good student that I am, I went out and bought all the books that he recommended. <laughs> Sorry, my cat's just staring me down. You want the window open? I'm not sure what you want from me. There Which one know. is
1: your cat? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is fawn. Are you fawn, kitty?
1: Really? That's not, that's not so typical of cats. That's
0: cool. No, she's not typical of cats. She's fawn in flight. Well...
1: So you could be more than one.
0: Oh, yeah. So there are combinations, too. Yeah. But I would say she's a hundred. She's mainly Fawn.
1: Because I feel like it depends on the situation, right? It
0: does. It does. It does. Yes. But but you'll have like a you'll have an automatic one.
1: One that I tend to do more.
0: Like anything where you're categorizing things. It's not that clear. So like there are some where he's like put Fawn Flight Super Nurse so that some of them he'll like name. Or fawn fight, smother mother. <laughs> I think I'm more a fawn fight.
1: I think for sure I'm not a freeze.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're a freeze. Either.
1: I really think that's not, I don't think that's how I deal with things. Yeah. I also don't think I'm a flight generally.
0: You don't? This doesn't describe you? What? Obsessive, compulsive, panicky, rushing, drivenness, adrenaline junkie, busyholic. You know what? I should stop trying to give you a type and like impose that on you. I'll let you. If that's I'll what let- it
1: means, I don't think I run from problems.
0: No, it's not running away from it in these cases, I guess.
1: I mean, I have fight or flight response in my head still. No, I know.
0: Let's see the 4F distortions of attachment and safety instincts. So this is kind of what you're like when you're in uh, interpersonal relationships. Fight, control to connect, rage to be safe. flight, perfect to connect, perfect to be safe. Freeze, no way, I'll connect, hide to be safe. And fawn, merge to connect, grovel to be safe.
1: So I guess I'm kind of, in this case, I feel like I'm more of a flight fawn. I agree. But I don't understand why it's called flight.
0: It doesn't mean you're running away. It, it means that you're in running mode, which is like I see moving mode. It's flight.
1: I'm in flight mode. I'm in like, I'm in uh, the plane is flying. I'm in flight. Yeah,
0: but it's also like. I'm in
1: flight. Oh, i mean okay.
0: Right. Maybe if you're facing a lion, to use an example that we used last time, you would be running away. But I wouldn't fight the lion. If the thing is that like something is happening, you're in go. You're in like go mode. You're in. So I'm definitely in go mode
1: and dealing with things. I think when I'm talking about my mother last episode and and exactly. dealing with, yeah. with her death, I think I was in go mode. And you know, I called up all the, I had to you know, I called up all the people to tell them what happened. Uh, I took on with my dad. Would kind of, I think my dad was in freeze.
0: Right. Yeah. I would you know? say so too.
1: He yeah. we was in freeze mode and. Fawning, what's an example of fawn?
0: Like what they would do Yeah. in a different situation. Um, Let's
1: say in my situation, what would be... So my mother passed. I told you that whole story yeah. last episode. What uh, what, would, what? would someone in each of those those four Fs do? So freeze would be like, maybe it's kind of what my father did. My dad kind of didn't yeah. know. He kind of yeah. hid away in the moment. He couldn't, it doesn't, Now it's not fair. He did a lot of things he, he yeah. had to do, but emotionally I felt like he especially. Well, that's the thing.
0: We can't help our response. It's just what we automatically do.
1: Yeah. He did the things he needed to do. I don't mean that. But I mean in in general, I feel like that was the the emotional response. I was in a kind of emotional go mode Mm -hmm. for sure. So I guess maybe I am flight in that sense. But how would fawn work there?
0: Well, that's the weird thing. To me, fawn seems more.
1: It's a different type of situation.
0: Yeah. To me, fawn is more like when you're in an interpersonal situation. So for example, if, if someone's yelling at you,
1: so in that kind of situation, I, I would definitely try to like kill them with kindness. <laughs> mm. um, is that, is that an example of fawning? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I
1: would try to compromise.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so maybe you, now it seems like you're just a healthy person who knows how to use what they need to use. <laughs> well, I try to, I generally enough. don't think, I don't <laughs> think
1: now, I don't think I ever, do I ever fight? I don't think in this term, in this, in this yeah. way,
0: like you don't argue gen- back with someone or.
1: Well, I do, but I try to do it now more in, uh, with my mom, I would, I definitely, uh, she would say I was always talking back, but to me, it was just trying to explain myself. I can be defensive. I don't know. That's, that's right. kind of a negative thing. Like, what does that mean when I get really defensive?
0: To me, it just seems like you're still doing the thing that you're just trying to fix it. So it's flight. It doesn't seem to me like, yeah, to me, well, okay. Can I read this paragraph for you that I've had?
1: Yeah, read the paragraph?
0: So extreme flight types are like machines with the switch stuck in the on position. They're obsessively and compulsively driven by the unconscious belief that perfection will make them safe and lovable. Mm. They rush to achieve. They rush as much in thought, obsession as they do in action and compulsion. As children, flight types variably respond to their family trauma on a hyperactive continuum. The flight defense continuum stretches between the extremes of the driven A student, exhibit A, and the ADHD dropout running amok. Flight types relentlessly flee the inner pain of their abandonment with the symbolic flight of constant busyness. I don't know about your inner pain of abandonment, but the symbolic flight of constant mm. busyness to me.
1: It's interesting. These, I, I can hear my issue with some of this is not that they're incorrect is that I i think pretty early on, I recognize these possible downsides to responding mm. in certain ways. And I try to, I literally tried to account for those, you know, right, you know, and, and respond in a healthy way. So I'm not saying I'm like a great... Oh, it's
0: okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't great, know. I, but
1: I, <laughs> some, I, I do try to respond in a healthy way.
0: I think I was looking at this more in terms of like interpersonal relationships. And if someone's angry at me, I totally go into f- one, I go into like font type. Like I can't oh. have some... I, I get like, are you mad at me?
1: People-pleasing aspects, right? So I'm like that with... that's There's the font type there too. Yeah, the people-pleasing. But it, it, to a degree, you know, there's a certain point at mm-hmm. which you know, but what would an example in an interpersonal relationship be of the flight type be?
0: Oh, good. Good question.
1: I think of flight in terms of like the traumatic family drama I went through and hmm. the, uh, and then I think of fun in terms of like an interpersonal thing.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: I'm definitely not like a, I don't go on the attack on someone usually. I'm not fighting in that sense.
0: So with parents, if they're mad at me or if I feel like something's happening that is like going to be a fight or something like a fight between us i my first response is well the fond response is also to like try to know what kind of mood they're in to like realize what is about to happen so that like so if i can interpret their mood i can kind of sounds like empathy to me yeah yeah so i mean that's the good side of it the bad side of it is you're often more attuned to other people's emotions than you are to your own Hmm. so that's my first thing the second thing if that doesn't work is for me to yell back at
1: people Mm, so you do fight you do have a fight aspect
0: it's a weird combo
1: you know here's the thing i don't usually do that but i do have a certain sense of like i want to have it both ways i want to like be right but i also want to have fun so like i definitely have those two i think those are probably that's the flight fun thing going on there
0: i mean you might i i shouldn't be like guessing you i just i think i found that one paragraph and i was like this is you you're stuck in the on position but maybe yeah, not.
1: that's true for, <laughs> a, for a lot of things, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. But I don't know in interpersonal relationships, right. that's different than um, other stuff.
1: Well, there are some, we got, we got the F's. Those are all the that's F's. Some ideas not of the the Fs Fs. that I heard about in the past, but. No, uh, what kind of F's <laughs>
0: have you heard about in the past, Josh?
1: Anyway, moving on.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I think this is a useful book. But I mean, maybe we're being a bit misleading with this whole four Fs, which F is Josh, because really we all have tendencies towards maybe one or the other in certain situations, but they're all potential reactions, right? Um, are, you,
1: are you arguing for some nuance here instead I am, of that's right. categorically labeling somebody one thing?
0: That's exactly, Defining yeah. them yeah. by that? That's exactly what I'm doing, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if this will be useful or not, but um, there's something called the window of tolerance. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but the idea. I
1: know about windows, and I know about tolerance.
0: Oh, OK, but window of tolerance isn't um, is an unknown like My
1: favorite word is defenestrate, which means to throw somebody out a window. That's and right. It could be throwing them out of a window of tolerance.
0: Wow. I love that image. Let's throw someone out a window of tolerance.
1: I don't know what that means, but it sounds interesting.
0: It sounds interesting. I'd like to share my screen with you for a moment.
1: (laughs) It definitely didn't sound interesting. You're like, look at my screen. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) So here's the window of tolerance through which you will demonstrate a person.
1: Oh, it's literally a window. Okay,
2: there we go. Yeah, So
0: it's a window between hyper arousal. I'm gesturing with my hands, which is where you're hyper aroused, which means like, that can be the fight or flight response. Anxious, angry, out of control, like my cat sounds like she is right now, if you can hear them in the background. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of those things, it's just a a reaction, it's not a conscious choice, it's just the way that your body reacts. Just depending on person to person, there's hyper arousal, which is at the extreme of like, go, 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 fix, 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 or run, 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 or fight, fight, fight.
1: So hyperarousal is like your body wants to fight or run away. Essentially, yeah. It's not something you choose. It's just a reaction that takes you over.
0: Right. So when you're triggered okay. during a, either a traumatic event or something that reminds you of a traumatic event, this is what happens to someone's
1: Okay. You um, get hyperaroused.
0: Hyperaroused or? Or? Hypoaroused.
1: Hypoaroused.
0: Hypoaroused. So understandably, that would be the opposite. So if you're like zoned out numb frozen maybe in some ways you might have been hypo aroused and some of what you were talking about you know being unable to cry I mean that makes sense for hypo arousal Mm because there's a numbing right
1: maybe well that's is shock fall under that yeah
0: so shock so the freeze so you've got like fight and flight in the hyper arousal and you've got freeze in Mm -hmm. the hypo arousal so
1: what if it wasn't that I was like totally in shock but more that I was like I went into like I said, like pragmatic mode. Like yeah. I just kind of I, I compartmentalize. Yeah. What does compartmentalizing <laughs> fall into? Is that a form of like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think compartmentalizing is useful. So again, I'm not a mental health professional. This is just stuff I'm taking for another.
1: Compartmentalizing is something you choose. So this doesn't count, I guess, towards mm, that.
0: I don't think you choose it. I think it's kind of You don't think so? why well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that so certainly, but like
1: If I think in my head, I'm going to put this away in a box for now and focus on this. I
0: mean, you could say whatever you want, but I find myself compartmentalizing unintentionally, just like I find myself unable to stop thinking about something, even if I want to stop thinking about something. Do you have the ability to tell yourself, I don't like to really decide, I don't want to think about that thing and always be able to put it aside. That doesn't
1: think about, not necessarily, right? but in order to operate and and, you know, especially, like I said, pragmatic mode. In, in order to set a task for myself and a goal and, and follow it, yeah. I have to be able to compartmentalize a bit, right? If that's right. a bit of a choice, right?
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, I think if you're able to compartmentalize and deal with things the way you need to, then you're within that window of tolerance. So
1: that's... Oh, that's the window of tolerance. That's the
0: window. Instead of throwing someone out of... Yeah. So if you're not in hyper arousal or hypo arousal you're able to cope with whatever's happening. You're able to handle those stressors. Oh. You're able to compartmentalize. It doesn't mean that nothing's going on.
2: So you
1: could be not one of the four Fs? <laughs> or is this fawning? Does fawning, wait, does fawning fall under the, in the um, window?
0: Fawning is more, that F is more something that the author Pete Walker talks about as a response that people develop in interpersonal relationships after having to deal with difficult figures in a way. So like,
1: Interpersonal stuff.
0: more interpersonal stuff. the fawn is interpersonal, right? Like how can you fawn in uh,
1: how could I fawn when dealing with a death in front of me necessarily right Exactly.
0: yeah, it's not quite yeah. the same. It's more like when you, there's a sense of danger is your response to flee or fawn or that sense of danger in an interpersonal setting. That's right. where the fawn comes in, but that was that's more a particular complex PTSD thing.
1: But freezing and shutting down or spacing out, yeah. That's hypo arousal as opposed to hyper arousal. That's right. Kind yeah. of like and basically an under arousal. One's like an exactly. over and one's an under response.
0: Yeah. So all I wanted to say with this was that we all have our unique responses to trauma. And you know, there's stuff like I don't even know if we mentioned flashbacks and nightmares and avoidance and things like that, right?
1: Flashbacks. I did well, I did have have some dreams but i didn't necessarily yeah nightmares it's it's, sometimes it's hesitant i'm hesitant to call them nightmares like Mm. i actually had nightmares leading up to like my mom's passing as i said like i i had a nightmare that she died and then she died
0: Jeez. (laughs) would you have remembered those dreams if she hadn't died though i know Mm. that's a really messed up thing to say i've dreamt that family members have died and i think i wouldn't i would forget the dream unless something actually happens which isn't to say anything because yeah
1: It's hard for me to know. It was pretty devastating at the time. It was one of the more devastating nightmares I had because it felt so real.
0: Mm.
1: That was what was weird about it. But I mean, I've had, it's interesting. I told you when my grandmother died and I went to a second funeral within a few months, that was bringing back all the memories of the first funeral I went to was triggering. Yeah. Like there's things that, like, I I don't know if that counts as a flashback, but like, you know, that spot of blood on the carpet triggered me. Yeah,
0: I think that's, that's very much a kind of a flashback.
1: Or I'd be triggered by things that didn't happen anymore too. Still, when I walk in my house and I kind of have this memory that my mom would ask me how school was that day, she would yell that to me from upstairs and then it being quiet again. I don't know what that counts as.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an event that, that triggered you. It doesn't have, maybe the absence of an event.
1: The absence of an event. Yeah. 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 I think for me, it's, it's much, it's things that aren't there anymore. for for this type of situation that triggers it you know some people you know they've had something horrible happen to them and then things can trigger that memory Mm -hmm. for me the absence really really gets me. yeah and that
0: makes sense especially when it's you know with death of a loved one
1: have you ever experienced any any flashbacks or anything like that
0: um not that i can think of i know i'm you're trying to get a story out of me josh i don't think that's that's not (laughs) what this edition is for um (laughs) (laughs) sorry we'll get to me don't worry I did have a quote also that I wanted to share do you think that is this quote time Josh
1: it's always quote time Maya
0: so this quote is by um poet Jessica Katoff or Katoff I'm not sure how to pronounce it sorry either way and she says my past is an armor I cannot take off no matter how many times you tell me the war is over
1: Mm. you always put your guard up
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's also just the idea that people can say you're not in danger, but if that's what you're, and this is, I would say this is more relevant to things like PTSD and sort of violent trauma, maybe war and torture Mm -hmm. and maybe relationship stuff, you know, lots of stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't know if you relate to that or not, but.
1: Well, I I do in a sense that like, like I said, this really, I think about death a lot. Right. Right. I do, I think about it a lot. And I think about other people dying, but I think about myself dying and I think about the short time that we have. And that's that guard is kind of always, that kind of armor you wanna say is like, that, yeah. I can't take that off. Like I have to always operate knowing this
0: yeah.
1: with this kind of more at the forefront of my mind. And I mean, sometimes that can be a very motivating thing to get something done, but other times it doesn't let me relax in a way. Yeah. So I guess I can relate in that sense
0: yeah okay so yeah you seem very self-aware and like i don't know you've never gone to you never went to therapy or anything after stuff with your mom
1: that's the thing you know it's funny when i came back i remember my the rabbi rabbi laser was it right i remember him him saying to me like yeah so josh i think you should um you should consider going to talk to someone like
2: oh that's nice and i was but i was like
1: well he said that and i was like I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. He's like, he's like, really, I think it would help. I'm like, do I seem Mm -hmm. like I need help? Like what?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) What? I I couldn't figure out why he was this isn't like right after this is like, I came back and visited from Los Angeles, maybe I don't even Oh, this is a while later. Okay. A while later. I don't know if it was then, but it was a while later. And he was like, Yeah, I think you. (laughs) He's like, you should do this. And I'm like, but I think I'm fine. And he was like, Aww. you might think you're fine. But and anyways, he, it felt like he was spending his time trying to convince me that I wasn't fine. And I started wondering, am I not fine? I think I'm fine. I'm like, look, I, I talk mean- to my friends. I feel good with my friends. And I'm, I'm actually in a pretty, I was in a very good place emotionally. And he was like, right. yeah, but it's there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I agree with it. You don't have to be not fine to go to the therapist. I was
1: like, is the therapist going to be free?
0: <laughs> well when you were in university it would be partially kept well listen like I think it's more like cleaning your house like you don't have to wait until it's a disgusting mess to clean it mm. that's like you, it's just a little bit and you dust it's dusting
1: but I feel like I'm dusting when I talk to my friends and I and I do a podcast okay. and I share for two hours uh my <laughs> traumatic experiences I'm dusting okay. right now all right if you say <laughs> doctor, so all right Dr. well good Ishai. I mean, yeah. I have to trust oh, you okay. because
0: you are a doctor. I am a doctor. I'm not of that philosophy. kind of doctor. Do not trust me with anything, <laughs> <laughs> please. Don't trust me with anything but your essays, okay? Um,
1: yeah. So do you feel like, mm. we're talking about different types of trauma. Do you feel like you had, um, of course, there's the trauma of death and things like that. But there's also, I feel like a lot, of something people deal with a lot more is the trauma of like, that happens with relationships breakups are very very traumatic to people in fact they're so traumatic people feel guilty often like other oh, people have dealt with so much worse why do i feel so
2: hmm.
1: terrible after this breakup but yet yeah. it really is a traumatic experience for a lot of people right when you break up and suddenly it's like listening to a certain song is hmm. a traumatic yeah. experience Right, going to a certain restaurant is traumatic experience. Hearing the person with the same name as the person you dated is a traumatic experience, right? I think that's more like when we're talking about trauma. That's like a very common
0: trauma, right? Right. No, I think that's a good example. And I think I feel like I brought this up at one point. Relationship episode, maybe? Yeah, I probably brought it up at the relationship episode because I remember feeling like it was such a stupid thing. It was just like first or second year university. I felt like it was such a stupid thing that I was so upset about this um, about this breakup. So not only did I feel bad about what had happened, but I felt bad that I felt bad (laughs) just piling Uh, it on. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. This is, and I didn't share with anyone. I I didn't really have close. I wasn't really, my close friends had kind of moved away at that point and I hadn't really engaged with the university people. So I was kind of there alone. And yeah, I was really not doing well. And I remember the, I went, so I, eventually I I was like, okay, my rooms, my room, my, place is too messy in my mind (laughs) it was like (laughs) this is too messy I should probably just go to someone it's
1: good that you went to you recognize that yeah yeah it's a healthy thing to do
0: yeah although even when I went there I was like this isn't enough of a reason to be here I shouldn't be here like do I is this bad enough
1: I feel like you have like trauma imposter syndrome you know, like I don't feel like I deserve to 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 call it trauma and be traumatized. Yeah. Like other people have been through worse things. Like, is this really trauma? Should I be here?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I have this belief. It, I I've actually said that. I remember telling my best friend this because I had a lot of friends growing up that would say like they would tell me something and they'd be like, "Well, you like your mom's dead. Like, what does this mean mm. compared to you? Like, why am I upset about this?" Oh, and well, I'd be like, a, yeah. "I'm like, yeah, you don't. Things are as bad." As they make you feel in a sense. Yeah. If yeah. you feel traumatized then you're traumatized, that's, that's yeah. the end. And it's worth dealing with that and not ignoring yeah. it and ignoring it. Like it shouldn't be trauma. What does that even mean?
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. If it's traumatic, it's traumatic. The end. Yeah. If they break up, if it's, you know, it also depends how much something means to you. Sometimes I feel bad for the opposite reason right because people don't often understand the intricacies of my relationship with my mother and how she could be kind of abusive
0: that you're <laughs> like I no it's that, kind of good no
1: <laughs> <laughs> almost I mean it's not obviously there's I'm sorry we got into a... it before no yeah, no no, no that's right. A... Yeah. you're right that is kind of how my brain goes sometimes like like I said my brother famously said to me like I'm happy she's dead like that sounds horrible but that's how nuanced it was that again I, I don't want to put my brother on the spot you have to it's so much to understand that we had a very yeah complex family dynamic where it was it was sometimes it was hell and that in itself was traumatic Right. In my family life before that right it sounds almost bad to say but yeah some things got better after my mom passed and yeah. I feel bad admitting that in some ways because people think, like, what are you talking about how could you feel better when your your mom mm-hmm. dies and it's like I well I feel bad too I explained yeah. there's a oh, there's a whole bunch of trauma about that and I and there's a lot of things that I do feel sometimes that kind of PTSD or that sort of, you know, memory of dealing with that situation and going through it is,
0: yeah
1: is hard, but I also, you can feel more than one thing at once.
0: Of course. Yeah.
1: All that being said, when someone would come to me and they'd say, my parents just got divorced. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, what am I talking about? Uh, you lost your mom. Like, no, yeah. that's a traumatic experience too. In fact, yeah. For all I know, it could be harder for you to deal with your parents' divorce than it was for me to deal with my mom's death. That sounds horrible, but it
2: could be, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And we are not who we are not ones to judge. Everybody's situation is different. For all you know, your parents being together was literally everything to you. You know yeah. that relationship you were in, might have been the only thing keeping giving you joy, and it's gone. Yeah, that's super traumatic when that happens. So I I don't judge other people's trauma, and I don't think anybody should. And if someone tells you something is traumatic, believe them. Yeah. That's what I think. And so I just want to say, Aya, when you were dealing with that stuff, and I hope moving forward, I mean, look, I'm telling you a bunch of stuff here that happened with me. And I could tell the aspects of you like, oh, what do I have that can, comp- I don't have anything that compares to that. That's not, you've obviously been devastated by things and traumatized by things in your life, like all of us have uh, here and there. And all of it matters. Yeah. I just want to say that. Thanks. And we don't compare stars, as they say. Right. And I feel like, I guess I'm in a place to say that because I've had so many people say to me. Like, Josh, I can't, uh what is my problems are nothing compared to yours. Well, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I, I feel kind of happier than you. So maybe not,
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> depending yeah. on the time. So right. I just wanted to say that.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's good to let people know, anyone who's feeling trauma imposter syndrome. Is that what you called it earlier?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trauma imposter yeah. syndrome.
0: Trauma imposter syndrome, yeah.
1: Copyright Josh Littman, 2021. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because part of, you know, what helps you get through it is accepting that it is a big thing and that it does matter. And I remember exactly. even just the therapist saying like, you know, for people, because I was like, this is stupid. Why do I even care? And she was like, you know, for a lot of people, a breakup can be, can feel almost like a death. It's like dealing with that because it, yeah, so I,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I just felt like, okay, so it's an okay reason to be upset. It doesn't make me shallow or in a weak or something, right?
1: Yeah. But yeah no I, and I and I and I think that's an important thing to recognize
0: yeah
1: we're talking about there's different types of like I was thinking about how I didn't feel so I weirdly have like a, a weird comparison that I can make in my own life because mm. uh, people used to ask me this question all the time with my mom right they used to say they used to be like do you think <laughs> now looking back it's kind of a weird question they used to be like do you do you think it was better that it was a her death like it was a sudden death better than you <laughs> like Oh, it, like, would you so think it's strength. better to be sudden, or would you want it to, to go through? Strength, or if it yeah. was something that you like, that you knew was going to happen, and it was mm. what do you call that? Like,
0: yeah, um, like a slow. I don't know. Like, basically, they're asking you to imagine a different death and see if that would have affected yeah. you more.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I'm yeah. guessing there was some context there, and it wouldn't just pop yeah, out yeah. of nowhere. Right. But I remember right. thinking, sure like, what? yeah like I don't know. this is all yeah. I know, but actually, since then I have gotten to so I have another story, yeah to share, but uh there's a difference I think between like because my mom passed, yes, there's a trauma in what I experienced with losing her, yeah, but there's also i think mostly it was it was grief mm. it it ended, it happened
0: right
1: it happened, and I can reflect on it and I can deal with it, I can move past it right mm. there's there's something to be said about. Ongoing trauma,
2: hmm.
1: which is different, and I think that can, in some ways, be—I don't want to compare. It depends on the person, but it, to, to to a lot of people, that can be harder to deal with, right? Because it's not—it hasn't ended. Right. It's still going. When you think about it. Well, I have a friend who, like, his relationship ended when his girlfriend he found out was cheating on him for one out of the three years. Oh. <laughs> that they were dating you know but when he found that out I mean it was just over he's like he said he told me the relationship was like he's like he like trying to hold the relationship it felt like holding a a headless corpse it was just like it had no head like he's holding a corpse that is it's done there's no more there's nothing ongoing once he found out about Mm -hmm. that it was over you couldn't rescue that yeah and that's sad but then he was there was more of a, a grief to deal with there, right? Right, whereas there's a lot of people who deal with certain trauma with the relationship because it's there's still a question of can we get back together? What if I change this? What if I change that? Is it really dead?
0: Oh, like that constant uncertainty kind yes. of thing,
1: and the constant hmm. uncertainty I think it creates this ongoing trauma in hmm. many ways for a lot of people, and especially when something isn't really gone but it. It, yeah. maybe it is maybe it's not
2: yeah
1: and I feel like I, I experienced that when it uh with my father so I told the story about my mother but not long after that I'm saying not long after that like a couple a few years mm. very few years right I think I was 18 19 19 years old maybe mm. I remember I was going to uh i was actually I was on my way I was heading to Mexico with my friends and I was with uh my girlfriend at the time uh Shirley What's her name so her and my best friend, Roman, and a, a few others who we went to Mexico together. But just as I was about to leave for Mexico, literally like either that day or the next day, mm. my dad came up to me and he was like, "Uh, so I just went, um, you know, I, I went and got something checked. Um, I had this rash or something. And he was like, yeah, I think uh, it turns out I have cancer. Mm. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but I, it's a' I think it's okay, it's okay. They said it's like it's one of the curable kinds. I think they said it's gonna be yeah. just fine, so don't worry. I'm like, okay,
2: dude.
1: So, my dad told me he has cancer, and then I went to Mexico. <laughs> so, what got me through Mexico, what got me through that is I was able to kind of put it out of my mind, and that my mind yeah. just kind of said, He said it's one of those curable things. Maybe it's like one of those, yeah, in my mind, like is it some just skin, thing it off, just yeah. cut off and yeah. it's fine. It just sounded scary. And yeah. I went to Mexico and I didn't think about it too. Much. It kind of popped into my head a couple of times. Of course. And I'm yeah. like, man, nah, it's fine. It's fine.
2: Mm-hmm. They said yeah. it's cur-
1: curable. It's curable. The end. Yeah. Right. I remember getting back from Mexico and there was this like ominous mood in my house. Mm. Again, at this point, my house just consists of me, my brothers, my dad.
2: Yeah.
1: And my cat, Sammy. Uh. Uh, I miss Sammy. Anyway, uh. by the way, losing a pet is also very traumatic and- don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. No,
0: um, I, I dread the day that this guy, cat... okay, I'm not
1: gonna... Again, the more you, the more you, the more you love them. You have love for something, someone like the more traumatic it is, but I, you know, it's, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Really. I guess, yeah. But uh, anyway. My uh, cat
0: is hugging me right now. So I know right
1: now it's I'm like... watching, it's bringing... <laughs> I'm thinking about it because you're hugging your cat as you listen to She's this
0: hugging, she crawls up to my she's and hugging shoulder. You. She's fawning. And
1: it's, it's, it's in she's in fawn mode. She's fawning. Yeah. Oh. Well, she
0: wanted attention, and I wasn't giving it to her. So she's like, I know how to get your attention. I'll just crawl up onto your shoulder.
1: She's like, stop paying bit. attention to Josh. He
0: yeah, care. it's pretty <laughs> cute. It's like a semi-hug she's got going on here. Or she's uh-huh. just sort of hanging off. you hanging off.
1: And she's so I'm you're wearing black, off. and your hair is, yeah, black, you really tell, is black. Yeah, you can't really tell. And the cat is black. You're all just yeah. kind of blending together.
0: Or just blending. Yeah.
1: And then you have this like white background. It's very interesting. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so interesting anywhere interesting you know oh okay okay sorry all right tell me about your traumatic experiences now <laughs> got cat hair in my face
1: so there was this ominous kind of mood in the house yeah and I'm thinking I remember asking like what's going on to my brothers yeah. and they're like Are you didn't hear I'm like no I was in Mexico yeah and it turns out um it's it the cancer uh it's not it's not what they thought it was mm. I'm like what do you mean they're like it's much it's much worse than they thought it was i'm like what does that mean and instead of it being something that was curable they said it was something super super rare that like maybe wasn't curable and they said he had oh my- about a month to live
0: <gasps> oh my god
1: that was a big you know yeah things were moving really really fast you know again my mother had just died yeah yeah uh, pretty recently still yeah here's how i know it. my brother alex wasn't even 18 yet
2: Jeez. i think he
1: was he was 17 yeah i must have been 19 or 20 right mm-hmm. and i just remember thinking like <laughs> if my my dad goes in like he'll be an orphan like that's how this is kind of crazy
2: yeah
1: <laughs> right my kid couldn't help but think about my grandmother who lost both their parents when she was 17 you know in the mm-hmm. holocaust so suddenly we were in again my dad's sisters came down and everybody was trying to figure out it was almost it felt almost like a foregone conclusion like oh my god he's gonna he'll be dead soon we need to figure out what's gonna go on like what What are the kids gonna do everything was about the kids again the litman yeah. boys right and what i mean i was a little older now i'm right? an adult kind of you know in undergrad yeah but they started planning for after immediately i mean mm-hmm. they were all talking about what's gonna happen with the money and i'm like what are we talking about? like so weird oh i didn't want to be talking about that stuff like yeah Anyways, my dad's brother, actually my uncle Mel, he lives in Israel. He's a doctor. Actually, deals with stuff like cancer oh. all the time. And he had a young daughter. who was like three years old, four four years old. He's a he's a religious Jewish man, yeah. orthodox Jewish man. But he's anybody's, you know, he's a very good medical doctor as well. Mm. And he has a lot of kids. But one of them had a neuroblastoma, like brain cancer mm. type of thing, and was also given like no time to live, basically, you know, and. Yeah that kid, she's, she's around today.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So my, my uncle has, some methods and some things and Mm. he does something called orthomolecular medicine, which again, it's not like "Mm, we're going to replace traditional medicine, but it supplements it. Right. Right. Basically his whole idea is that hospitals kind of have a one size fits all sort of thing. Mm. And he tailors like individual treatment Mm. to people. So basically he can't have too many patients at once, but right. You know, you can really, really focus on an individual and tailor treatment to them, and it just takes—it's very time-consuming. But of course, he's gonna—he did that with my dad, right? His brother oh, okay. and my aunt. Yeah. So suddenly, my dad's—my dad's family. I can be honest; it can be sometimes a little strange, and they'll tell you that, mm. right? They're not the most sentimental, right? Right.
0: Well, they're super religious, but he's not at all, right? Like
1: only my dad's brother.
0: Oh, okay. It's only the one brother that's super religious. Yes, oh, just him. Gosh.
1: Okay. Uh, my dad's family, I feel like there's a string of like on the spectrumness going on in my dad's okay. side. Like again, <laughs> it's just some, it's socially sometimes a little strange, mm. but it turns out when something, when shit hits the fan, yeah. they really came together.
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: And I was very impressed with that. They all just kind of took on different roles. You know, my aunt Darlene, she really got, you know, really got in charge of the business and financing stuff and try to mm-hmm. figure out finances. And my, my aunt Sheila was like boots on the ground, like administering, you know, vitamins mm-hmm. and stuff. And my uncle was in Israel. He did come a few times, but he was the one kind of giving instructions on what to do.
2: Mm.
1: And then we had the hospital as well. All right. Anyways, he went, they were like, we're going to try to fight this thing.
2: Mm.
1: So we did a mixture of like chemotherapy for him and this orthomolecular medicine. Basically, we okay. take it. Basically, one of the big parts of that was, some people have heard of it, vitamin C treatment. It was like super oh. high dose vitamin C treatment. Uh, Sodium ascorbate or ascorbic acid, something like that, and he would take it intravenously.
0: Really, I didn't know that was like a thing that actually okay. It
1: is, and there's mixed research on this, but some people you know swear by it. Cool, but it turns out one of the things that you know, I I did like a ton of research myself on cancer. Of course, it turns out I didn't know very much about cancer. Suddenly, I knew a lot more about cancer. Looking up because one of my jobs I felt was trying to give my dad some hope because he was my dad is not one of those people who was like, son. Hey, you know this is a it's a tough time and we're dealing with a lot and you know it's no it's, I can't I sounds can't like say you it's were the great, but but uh, you know we're gonna get through this son. My dad was yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna die.
0: <laughs> and You're like, you're not gonna die. Look, I found all yeah. this research. Yeah. My
1: dad has a lot of anxiety and sometimes you know he doesn't say the right things. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you actually an example tying back to that last episode. So you know, segue side side note a little here. You know, I told you like I said to my um I said to my mother. My mother was like, "I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die." Kind of similarly. And
2: yeah.
1: I said, "I was like, oh, you're not gonna die, right?" Cut forward a few years before the cancer thing with my dad, and uh, my brother Daniel got pneumonia.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: He was very sick. Yeah. But like, I'm like, okay, he'll he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine yeah. ultimately, right? But my dad was freaking out. He didn't know, like, I mean, like, freaking out. I remember trying to calm him down, and he's like, "Oh, like, he's seeing all the worst case scenarios." Of like, Dad, it's fine. it's pneumonia. Like, he's not. He's young, he's not going to die. And my dad was like, yeah, well, you said that before. <gasps> Again, we're talking about traumatic experiences. That one stuck with me a little bit.
0: Dude.
1: He said that. What and the fuck? And then he went, I think he went, yeah, he went like, I don't know, he ate grocery shopping or something. I, I was, and I was kind of left there. I, I, yeah, that uh, made me cry. That made me cry.
0: Of course. Of course it did.
1: Because of course, in my mind, it's like, that's it, not just that I... <laughs> I mean, the logic of it, is, I understand the logic of when I when I said it and why I said it. And it's not like I feel like it was my fault or anything. But the fact that also he saw it that way, it I don't know. It was hard. Yeah,
0: because it's already something that I'm sure you felt bad about. And then to have someone mm-hmm. kind of say something like, yeah.
1: You know, the inference is that I, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, my optimism yeah. is misplaced. Right. My hope is misplaced. I never really worded it that way before, actually. I think that's the feeling I had.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, he yeah. really... You know that was sharp. That was like a knife right yeah. there. And of course, he, you know, he went out for a little bit. He came back. I think he also went out. I think he started smoking. We were getting very frustrated with him. I think to deal with stuff, he started smoking. We were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Especially and by the way, later with the cancer, He <laughs> like, "What are you doing smoking cigarettes?" Like,
2: "Oh
0: my you god, you have
1: cancer." He's like, "Well, I already have it." um
0: <laughs> Doesn't work anyway. Like that. Oh my god! <laughs> but
1: he would go back and he'd come back. Yeah. You know, kind of again. He was dealing with a lot. I told you, my dad yeah. really, really affected him, and he blamed yeah, himself course. for a lot of stuff. But anyways, mm-hmm. he came back, and again, he's not very sentimental. But he did come back, and he said to me, "I shouldn't have said that to you."
0: Oh, okay.
1: I should not have said that to you. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I appreciated him, you know, saying that, and it, it wasn't about me. You know, it was his yeah. own anxiety. Right. You know, my dad. I mentioned before. I think he's got anxiety. And so I was, we weren't just fighting the cancer. But I felt like I was fighting my dad's anxiety about all of mm-hmm. this. Cause he, of course he saw the worst case scenario. He wasn't, he was basically, again, the doctor said you might have a month to live or something. He's like thinking I got a month to live. Yeah. So immediately he was like, well, we we'll focus on what's here's the money and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Let's try to get you well. He's like,
2: "Yeah."
1: he didn't care, you know, but yeah. he did what he was told. He went through hell again, chemotherapy, all that stuff is hell. It makes you depressed mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. I'm sure people who dealt with family members who've had cancer, that's really a really tough experience. And uh, it wasn't just traumatic for me.
2: Mm. It was
1: traumatic for him. And I was traumatized by understanding his trauma.
0: Right.
1: I kept empathizing with that. Yeah,
0: empathy is a bitch sometimes,
1: huh? (laughs) Yeah, it is. When you feel other people's pain, that means you feel pain.
0: sucks, yeah. So
1: I I kept trying to figure out, okay, okay, I thought if I'm going to help my dad I heard that positivity can help, right? We've all heard this. Mm -hmm. Positivity should be yeah. helpful. Then again, I always, my dad and I have always pointed out, what about those like really cranky old negative people that seem yeah. to live forever? Maybe the negativity <laughs> yeah. helps, I don't know.
0: Maybe negativity <laughs> helps because they're just letting it out. The other people are yeah. keeping the negativity in, which has got to be the crankiest you can.
1: Maybe. <laughs> who knows? So I had to do a lot of research. So I researched the shit out of cancer and this one in particular. I can't even tell you right now the specific name for it again. It
2: kept,
0: mm.
1: Again, it was very rare. And I think they knew maybe one person in Japan who had this cancer or something.
0: Really? Oh wow, that's very rare. Very
1: yeah. rare. I knew it was like a lymphoma leukemia kind of mix. Mm-hmm. They didn't know whether to call it a lymphoma leukemia. I think I think they called it a lymphoma at the time more and now maybe they call it a leukemia or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They were learning about it. So again, that didn't give us hope. It's like we don't know anything about yeah. this cancer. We're just gonna throw all the chemotherapy at it and hope for the best. And my uncle's regimen also was like, all right, we're gonna try this vitamin C treatment. And yeah. literally there was a point where we were in the hospital with him and I remember this. Because the hospital, they were on. Uns- they don't want to say yes to anything that isn't like approved. Yeah. Typically, so they're like, Yeah, we don't want you to do the vitamin C stuff, even though we haven't heard of any negative, like the most negative side effect was apparently you feel a little cold and have to pee. Like, and, and that's the whole thing about vitamin C treatment. Even though anything seems to mm-hmm. kill cancer in a petri dish, well, but the levels you need in a human usually are much more, and that could hurt you. But the thing is, it doesn't seem to hurt you when you give like a hugely high dose of vitamin C. Oh. So it seemed worth, you know, worth doing this. So you, it was like an ultra dose vitamin C thing. So we basically, when the nurses, like doctors, they weren't looking like I like guarded the door <laughs> and my aunt would like put, mix it into his IV bag. That's
0: so funny. I'm like, oh, the doctor's
2: coming quick, quick, quick.
1: And like, we're shaking, she's shaking the bag because it's looking a little yellow because it's like, it's not clear <laughs> anymore. And we afraid okay. they didn't, and they never found out. Yeah. So we're like, we really took these weird risks. That's so funny. You know, I remember during this time, it was very difficult. I, I actually got into two plays I was acting you know in the undergrad one of them was little shop of horrors mm-hmm. and another one was this other short play that I was in at the time and I started missing a few rehearsals I was driving my dad to and from the hospital yeah and uh they kicked me out of the play I remember them saying like, yeah, we have to, they're making an example of me. Basically. I only missed, like I didn't miss much. I knew all my lines. I knew everything. Did you
0: tell them you were driving your dad to chemo? Like,
1: so I didn't tell them at the time. So I, after she said that, I'm like, well, here's what's been going on. Yeah. And she seemed to feel bad. And she got back to me and she was like, Hey, so. You know, I feel really bad about this. And so we wanted to offer you some tickets to come see the play.
0: Fuck that. That's worse. Yeah, That's worse. so much worse. Oh, great. <laughs> so Let me see the play that you kicked, that you me, kicked out me out of for the dumbest reason.
1: I was ready for anyway. I felt, I since, since that time, I like won't watch Little Shop of Wars. Oh, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, upset about that still. But anyway, of I remember I would drive my dad to and from the hospital. And I still remember, again, to give you a sense of my dad here, right? I would drive him and I'd have to go in and I'm like, well, let's just park at the hospital. He's like, no, they charge uh, no, like way too oh much God. at the parking. And oh. he's like, we're going to park. He's like, so we had to find parking like far away from the hospital and walk. And I'm like, dad, you have cancer. Let's just go. He's like, no, they're not ripping me off. <laughs> so literally even now, like he's still, he was just caring about every every penny. I mean, yeah, they do rip you off, by the way, the hospitals, but still like, I, we okay, all know like, dad, that, you're not in like, like, poverty. Like, yeah. like make their life a little more comfortable, but yeah. He was, he could not stand or bear to <laughs>
2: yeah, pay it's extra principle. money. it's to the park.
0: Principle, yeah, him, on right? principle. Yeah, on principle.
1: Again, when yeah. I make a movie about this stuff, it's this, this, this <laughs> is the stuff that's going in the movie. No, yeah, of course, we're not yeah. paying to park. No, we're
0: going to walk a kilometer. I don't care if it kills me.
1: Again, there was all so many elements. I even remember like the rabbi and... My uncle, so like they all came and prayed around his bedside. I remember. Oh, it's so creepy. At one Sorry. point, I know you really don't like religious stuff, but I thought it was actually kind of.
0: No, it's it was, it's, it's well it was intentioned. Sweet. I'm sure it was. It nice. was
1: well intentioned. Were you they know, shuffling a whole...
0: back and forth over his? Like,
1: oh yeah, exactly. They were. They were I doing shouldn't
0: make jokes like this. It's just...
1: <laughs> no, it's so they were. They were again. My dad was not a religious person, but yeah. it, you know, he couldn't help but yeah. Uh, I guess so. You know, he was talking to the rabbi. You know, again, he thought I'm gonna die. Like. It's worth looking into,
0: I guess. You know, yeah.
1: and there's some comfort in that. So at one point, the cancer spread to his brain. It turned out the cancer was in his brain, and so they chemoed his brain. They had to like stick a thing in his spine, basically through his spine. They had to yeah, chemo his brain. It sounds crazy, right? Again, at this point, we're thinking this isn't looking good. I remember saying to him at the time, like, Dad, my my graduation is coming up, my undergrad graduation. Hmm. I was like, dad, do you think, I remember asking him, like, are you going to come to my, uh, <laughs> um, will you come to my graduation? And he was like, he's like, I can't talk about it. He's like, I'm not going to, what do you mean? I'm going to be dead. I'm like, well, yeah, but let's say you're alive.
2: Yeah.
1: And he's like, Josh, I'm not going to be around. Like, there's no point in,
2: mm.
1: in, uh, in asking me that. And I remember,
2: Jeez.
1: so he like he, he just wouldn't, you wouldn't commit to that because he, I, I wanted him to like see a possibility of him still being alive. Yeah. And Anyway, we get the results one day that uh, they said, it looks like the cancer's gone. They were like, yeah, they, they did a test and the chemo seems to, or something, right? Seems something, to Something,
0: and you're like, hee hee. That <laughs> stuff don't know. We, we snuck can't into is, yeah, It's possible,
1: knows? maybe. At the very least, it didn't seem to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, the cancer seemed to be Aww. gone. I remember even my dad was like confused. Like, what do you mean?
0: <laughs> He's like, wait.
1: I'm going to die though, right? <laughs> Uh, uh,
0: this is is disappointing i thought uh, no here's
1: the thing they didn't know even though the cancer seemed to be gone they didn't know for sure there was always a they said at any moment it could come back
0: that's so that's terrifying
1: exactly terrifying so so on one hand it was gone but on the other hand he thought at any moment it's just gonna come back and he's gonna be dead yeah so i'm talking about like ongoing trauma like right this was for us and our family like even though he managed to, to kick it in the teeth then it was an ongoing sort of thing. And my dad, yeah. again, I asked my, I remember I said to him, all right, so dad, I'm. Uh, it's my graduation and it uh, turns out you're alive. So <laughs> are you gonna, are you gonna come then? And he was like, uh, like you're gonna graduate anyway, right? Do I really, I'm like, so you just didn't want to go to my graduation. You were just using your potential death as an excuse not to come to my graduation. And he's like, well, you just kind of walk up on a stage and like, it's boring. I'm like, yeah, it's boring, but it's what parents, again, they're not very sentimental uh, side of my family. I'm like, it's what people do. It's what parents do. They go to see their kids. You know, my mom's not coming.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I, I asked, but she's not interested. It looks like so. (laughs) was like, yeah. And he he ended up coming. He came to my graduation. I remember he forgot the camera and he just kind of used this like he made he like a finger camera. He went, ah. <laughs> you know, tried to that's he funny. pretended to take a picture, a mental picture. <laughs> he took a mental picture.
0: Mm-hmm. Mental picture.
1: But my dad ended up coming to my graduation, and you know, just just before that, we thought he was going to uh,
2: yeah
1: not be there. So that's a that's a good story. But then was a few after five years, they determined, they they finally will say like, okay, you're cancer free.
0: Mm.
1: Only after five years, so. He reached um, five years and I said, all right, we're cancer free. And then in uh, year six, his cancer came back.
0: Oh my God. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Again, it's terrible. He was like, I don't want to have to go back to the hospital. I can't do this. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah.
1: Oh, by the way, separate story just before this. Be- before that time, we thought, I remember he, we thought his cancer had come back. Yeah. Because he started get, breaking out in this rash. Like the first time he broke out in this rash all over his body. And he's like oh the cancer's back oh. there you go and it turned out to be uh shingles
0: oh I mean that's shitty too yeah yeah well that's it's the not... thing like
1: I remember yeah. we were all like yeah. like it's just shingles we were cheering and yeah like, yeah it <laughs> <But> was <Yeah. shingles laughs> terrible yeah
0: shingles
1: but it
2: wasn't,
0: sucked so much. But it wasn't oh.
1: cancer so yeah. we were like really oh, happy to hear it wasn't
0: yeah.
1: it wasn't uh, <laughs> poor that. guy oh
0: my god <laughs>
1: I know so he dealt with the shingles and but then his yeah. cancer did come back in, in year six and Um, he i remember i said dad i'm gonna be graduating from usc yeah los angeles right i said will you come to my graduation he's like no josh the cancer came back this time i'm definitely gonna be dead you know how it is it gets like resistant to the drugs and this time there's there's no hope so just i'm not. i can't come to. i'm like well just hypothetically Dad. hypothetically you're still alive will you come to this graduation and he's like "Uh, i mean It's really far away. I mean, you have to travel like really far. It costs a lot of money. I'm like, so you just don't want to like travel. You just don't want to fly all the way to my graduation. (laughs) He said, well, it doesn't matter anyway, because I'm going to be dead for sure this time. (laughs) So anyway, we went through another year. to go through chemo all over again, hospital visits. I wasn't, I was in LA for part of this. So it was a little, you know, I, I think I was there for a little bit, but I wasn't as present this time. And he did, but I was always on the phone with him. Again, he spent a lot of time in the hospital. He really hates the hospital now, understandably. It was not a fun place to be. Right, for sure. A lot of terrible memories. I remember there was apparently a memory of him. He literally had to go to the bathroom one Point. And he passed out on the way, like oh. he just fell. Like, there were some really,
2: yeah.
1: really tough times in there. Anyway, the chemotherapy uh, or, and the stuff that we did again, it seemed to work because they said, yeah. okay, the cancer seems to be gone again. Yeah. And I was like, well, there you go, dad. Are you going to come to my graduation? <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh so this would be a really much better story if he actually came but he didn't he didn't fly. he was like no i'm not spending the money so he didn't come to my graduation uh, but i had a, you know my good friend grant he showed up He surprised me oh at my graduation nice. yeah and my yeah. my cousin showed up so are you
0: saying that the real cure for cancer is that someone has to have a graduation that you don't want to go to that's what
1: i think he you know there has to be something so well, I don't want to say he didn't look forward to it, but
0: yeah, no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> well, you get a reason to keep living. Yeah. Do you think
0: that he's changed at all from that? Like, did you feel like, like he came out different?
1: I know he's changed. I can't always say some things are positive. Some yeah. things are negative. He and I have gotten closer. I think over the time I've talked to him and he's more open in certain ways, Oh,
0: that's, yeah.
1: but it's also traumatized him again. He thinks the cancer is going to come back at any second. So to this day,
0: yeah, well, he's been shown that By life. Yeah.
1: It's not just that my dad's taking chemo to this day. He's still taking low dose chemo. Oh, because it's never fully, they don't think it's really gone. They think it's just kind of there still. And even I feel this trauma of like at any time it could come back, but it's my responsibility. You know, when I talk to him to try to give him hope. So I try to give him hope. And meanwhile, I I still do feel the trauma of that too.
2: Yeah.
1: I want my dad around. I want, I want to have a parent, you know, who's going to be, um, you know, even if he uh, doesn't show a lot of excitement for all of my stuff yeah. and sentiment, I, I want him to. I want him to see. I feel like I'm always trying to prove myself to my dad, and I want him mm-hmm. to be here to prove it to him. Right? Yeah. Having a parent to mentor around is important in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just about me, you know. I want my dad to be around and enjoy more life. He's lost. My dad has gone through a lot of trauma in his life. You know, he grew up really poor. It was very, very. Um, You know, we talked about a bullying episode. I didn't bring up my dad. Apparently he got bullied as a kid too. Mm -hmm. We talked about this, you know, he got bullied. He grew up poor. He he had a lot of struggles. And then his relationship with my mother was not great. I think she was pretty abusive to him in many ways. And then he went through, you know the death of my mother uh, as well. And he blamed himself and then he got cancer and to this day he's being told he can come back at any point he's got a lot of anxiety and sometimes say for good reason yeah
2: yeah
1: he's been through a lot but um you know he's got me and my brothers we love him very much and try to let him know that he's fantastic but this experience I guess is again another long story but on my end I feel like one thing after another with my parents, <laughs> you know, I lost my mother suddenly. And then it felt like I was going through it very slowly. In some ways, I still yeah. feel like I'm going through it very slowly with my dad. And yeah. that it's not just, it's not a grief. It's an ongoing trauma. Yeah. And I I have nightmares that it's, it's going to happen at any time that my dad's not going to be here. Every time he recently had an issue with his his leg, like something happened yeah. with his leg. It wasn't working. And every time something happens, is the cancer back? Is the cancer back? Yeah. Is this it? Yeah. So this is a very, a very long story to, to basically give an example of this ongoing yeah. trauma that's not just for me, but for him.
0: How do you deal with it?
1: So this one, it was almost easier for me to explain how I dealt with it going, you know, with the support system and everything with my mm. mother passing. This is a much harder one for me to deal with because, again, it's ongoing. Yeah. And sometimes I cannot think about it and it helps, mm. but then other times it's, it fills my brain, it distracts mm. me. There's things that I, you know, if I'm watching a TV show and there's like a cancer storyline or something, I get, that'll get me. It it really makes me think about, and and I, you know, so people ask me that question, which is worse? Like, well, they both suck in different ways. Yeah, You know, like (laughs) like losing someone slowly or suddenly. Oh God, yeah. You know, I guess we had the benefit, quote unquote, of knowing in that he could prepare some things and he prepared a lot of things. I guess it was wills and, and finances, but that's, that's knowing, My dad's not the personality type to be like, I got these, if I have only a few days, then let's make the most of it. And I'm going to enjoy the last time I have here. My dad, all he can do is dote on his personality type is not good for the situation. So all he can do is kind of dote on the fact that it could happen at any time. And it's hard to get him out of that. And that in turn traumatizes me because I I empathize with that. And I don't know how still to this day to really steer him away. Yeah. And also even make it even worse, the chemotherapy drugs, which- I just help keep him alive, but for half of every month he's depressed because of them. It causes depression.
0: Yeah.
1: So there's some good news here that my dad's still around. You know, they gave him a month yeah. to live. Yeah. And he's still kicking. Like what is it?
0: Like ten years ago they gave him a month to live.
1: Ten years ago, it's been a decade. My dad is 70 now. Wow. He's 70 years old. Yeah. He didn't think he was when he. You know, I think he wasn't even 60. Mm-hmm when when he found out you know we thought he yeah. thought he was gonna be dying in his 50s and now he's 70 I'm like I we have a very dark sense of humor when we talk to each other and I'm like well dad at least if you die now you'll be an old man technically like the definition of an old man that's like
2: right. you yeah. know you'll
1: a 70 year old man <laughs> dying sounds a little more reasonable than like a 59 year old right yeah. it's true,
0: it's true.
1: <laughs> you know we have a yeah very dark sense of humor about this
0: that's almost the easiest that or not the easiest I feel like that's the best way to Cause there's nothing like, what can you do? Right. So at least you make a joke, you feel a bit of relief. And
1: I told him, I said, dad, even if you, this whole time I told you you are going to be okay. And there was a chance and you kept saying no. Yeah. So in a sense, I, I was right. And you were wrong. So <laughs> even I said, is... even if you die tomorrow, like rest, easy I, knowing. Were... I was, I was right. <laughs>
0: That's some good, that's very funny. I mean, it's really yeah. messed up, but it's also hilarious.
1: <laughs> I said, percentage-wise here, like even if I'm wrong just once, like I'm, for yeah. the most part, I've been, I think you should, so I said, statistically speaking, I think you should trust me when I tell you you're going to be okay. I've been right this yeah. whole time.
0: Yeah. Did he laugh?
1: Sometimes he smiles a little bit. That's good. Because of this ordeal, I make sure to call him pretty frequently, even though I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. at home. Like my brothers, until recently, both of my brothers lived at home. I think Alex moved out. Yeah. That means- they're around him more but I've been calling him I think more I have been mm. I still think I'm building our relationship and I really treasure and value the time we have because of this yeah but even to this day though I am still trying to get him to find joy in life yeah. which is hard after dealing with such again and trauma can do that it can it can hurt your ability to feel joy. Right.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: We talk about PTSD. I think he's got <laughs> some major PTSD about this stuff. Yeah. I remember he said, I can't go back to the hospital. I can't go back. Mm. And this happy. He's like, I don't want to go back yeah. there. Please. He's like, please. I like, don't make me go back there. That's how bad it was. Yeah. But he did say to me, I remember this. He said to me once, despite all of his negativity, yeah. I was visiting home and he said, I was trying to figure out why I'm still here. I don't know why I'm, I'm still around. And he said, I, I was thinking about it and I think maybe it's for you, for you guys. Again, one of the rare instances of sentiment. Yeah. I won't forget.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been part two of. uh (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: no, I can't end it. I want to ask you something. Okay. I've been talking now for a while and I obviously have these stories and I don't know, maybe you don't have these traumatic stories to share or that you want to share, but I know that you've been, so you, You used to volunteer, right, for, was it the Women's Center? What was it called? I mean, I'm
0: still, yeah, it's the, it was the Women's Shelter and the Sexual Assault Center. They merged to make this shelter.
1: Doesn't sound like there's any trauma there at all.
0: Yeah, no, none at all. No. I was just working the um, crisis line for a bit, so... Yeah. You hear some very intense stories for sure. I mean, it, it's been kind of on pause because of the pandemic.
1: You work the crisis line.
0: Yeah. So the crisis line. So people calling for shelter or like something is happening to them or.
1: So that's like some Again, we talked about some very specific types of trauma, but what kind of trauma yeah. did you hear about or deal with?
0: So the majority was domestic abuse situations. So okay, there were a few, uh, I mean, I didn't, a lot of the call, like a lot of the shifts I took, I'd get maybe two calls or three calls, or sometimes you just get like supportive listening, which actually I'm much more comfortable with, which is just someone wants to talk about something. And
1: so I feel you've been this episode. you basically, I basically just called in and this is,
0: uh, well, I wouldn't have asked the kinds of, I wouldn't have asked the same kinds of questions because they tell you, like, think about why you're asking a question. Are you asking a question because it's going to help. Like whatever you need to find out to help them, or because you're curious. And when I'm asking you questions in this, sometimes it's just (laughs) I'm curious like I just want to know. Whereas with them, it's it it has to be kind of differently motivated. So
1: you help me too. I just want to say. Oh well, thanks. It helps. It is therapeutic.
0: I've had some ladies like or some I had at least one woman who was like, I feel like we're friends. When do you work next? Like she would (laughs) call and ask for me, and I was like, Well, that's really sweet, but like. I mean, I'm.
1: You're making such a huge impact on people's lives that way because again, mm, when they, I don't know. when they, when people call and they they need someone to talk to when you're there, that's yeah huge.
0: Well, I'm right? happy. I'm happy to hear that. I, I I really enjoyed the supportive listening part. I I don't as much. I don't feel like I'm the best suited for kind of that. You know, having to figure out who to call. Like sometimes it's like they're in a, a situation and they need to. Mm. You need to figure out like okay, we need to get you out of there. You need to pack up a, a bag and like be really careful about it. Or like, you have to find out if they're safe. Like sometimes they're not really telling you exactly what's wrong because, and you don't know, you have to find out why, like, right. are they, is it that someone's listening in? Talk
1: about ongoing trauma. That's literally in the middle of Yeah. traumatic, like, there's traumatic events, like memories and things that trigger. And then there's literal there's physical trauma people deal right. with like this all we haven't really had yeah. all different types but you dealt with some more immediate traumatizing things that people had to deal with
0: sometimes and sometimes I just if I wasn't getting a lot of calls I would read through the notes from previous calls and some of the stuff on there is is just I mean. I was amazed at how often this happens. Like, I think I, I didn't think domestic abuse was that common. Mm. And then you live in a city of what, 400,000 people and you're here, you're just constantly getting oh. calls about it and reading stuff about it. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm
1: glad you guys existed as a as a means to call. And
0: yeah, I mean, they're still there. It's just right now, just because of COVID that the volunteers aren't able to go in as much, but-
1: And you volunteered to do that. It's really, it's really good of you.
0: Well, oh, thanks. I mean, let's not- we don't have to pat me on the back. I, I volunteer, I feel you on the like, back. take it. But honestly, like I volunteer, like I feel good doing it. So it's not like I, people look at it as like the selfless thing. It's not really, because I feel good doing it. You should it. feel
1: good to do good things. That makes you, but to recognize that that's a thing you do that can make you feel good is part of what being a good person is. <laughs>
0: Well, anyways, in any case. Okay, thank you. I just want to
1: point out you're not a good person. We'll do an episode on self-interest versus selfishness okay. at some point. But just recognizing that you get a good feeling out of doing something doesn't make what yeah. you're doing any less good. In fact, it, it's good. the fact that you recognize it is, is the best part. That's how you continue to do good things. To right. realize doing good makes you feel good. It should make you feel good.
0: Well, fine, 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 whatever. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I had no. to say that. No, no, I, I'm just saying like, Because as long as I feel like I bring it up, it's like, I volunteer. But it's like, I I do it because, like, it makes me feel good to help. Like, I feel like I'm doing something. And
1: As an empathetic person yourself, did you ever hear the stories and it did it ever affect, did you ever take that home with you?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. There's We were actually trained. So we had, like, this 40-hour training thing. And it was actually really great. Like, you learn a lot of really interesting stuff that I think everybody should probably just learn in life. But one of the things we learned about was vicarious trauma, which is... Mm which I'm not going to, def- I'm the worst at defining things, but.
1: I hope I'm not causing you any vicarious trauma in this. Uh...
0: No, but it is, a. Re- if you're listening to people's stories and you can, if you're doing it a lot every day, there's a point where you can also get kind of, uh, oh, there's a, there's a word for it. Some kind of fatigue. So like not empathy fatigue, it's like compassion fatigue.
1: Compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. So you had to learn how to support people who are traumatized. This yeah. Is- it's easy when you hear it so much as something it's harder to feel as compassionate over time just, yeah. you get a little desensitized yeah yeah To hearing or dealing with something which is understandable for a person but I think it's important that just because you might feel compassion fatigue which is understandable not to slight somebody else because I've heard in the past people who've been through or have that compassion fatigue themselves kind of might spread it a little bit like they might mm. be like just get over it or whatever, like not realizing that that might be more unique to them.
0: Well, this kind of ties into both that. Cause like, so one of the calls I got, it was, it was kind of upsetting because it was from, well, it was upsetting. It was from a woman who was, she was very, like she was calling and she was just like, I need the names of three. I just need some names of different shelters in the city, the city, and the city. So she was naming three cities across like a few different provinces because she was from London so she was like I've spoken with you guys before like I'm just she was on the run basically and she was looking for different places and she needed options and and she told me some of her story and I I mean part of her story was she was concerned about her 12 year old daughter who was left there like in London Mm -hmm. and she was telling me all the horrible things that might happen to this girl because of the gangs and all like there was just a lot of messed up stuff and so I was like oh I have a duty to report because Anytime you hear about something like that in a minor, you have to call CAS and let them know. So the, or CAS, the uh, Children's Aid Society, or am I saying that?
2: I should know all this stuff.
0: CAS, yeah. I don't know if, okay. And then, uh, so I'm like, okay. And this was a, I usually worked like Sunday afternoons because I liked that one. There was no, usually no one else there. So I liked working alone. So I call CAS and the woman there was just like, Hello. And I was like, um, hi, I have uh, like, a duty to report. I I work at I'm a volunteer here at blah, blah, blah. So I told her the whole thing. And she was like, uh, we're closed. Uh, so I'm going to have to, can I get your name? We'll call you back on Monday. I was like, what? No, like, that's not. This is an <laughs> no, emergency. I, like. I was like, yeah, I have to, I'm supposed to let, like, this person could be in danger. Like, I I can't give you my, like, I'm, a, I'm here once a week. Like, what do you? And she was like, and she was like really pissed that she had to, I don't know, like write a note about it. I was like, can you just put down Mm -hmm. this person's number and call whoever's here? Like, just call this, like, so I gave her the number. But like, she was very, and I just figured like, okay.
1: Compassion fatigue.
0: Yeah, exactly. She must hear horror. Cause I was like, I was relaying these details and I, I was like, how can you respond to this with like administrative stuff? you know, like, where is your human? Where's the human in you? Like, how are you responding to what I'm telling you with we're closed? It doesn't make sense to me that someone could respond that way. But um, I guess if all you hear is messed up stuff happening to children, you must have yeah. compassion fatigue, or I don't know what yeah. you would. Yeah. So yeah, I don't envy that job.
1: I mean, I told you my dad, his job was And again, since his health issues have caused yeah. him kind of to be in a forced retirement, but right. he dealt with like the worst of the worst people and criminals in society who've done horrible things. Yeah. He's a forensic psychologist. Yeah. And he would see people who like his, he would just interact with people who chopped other people up Jeez. and murdered them and serial killers. Yeah. And I think he was desensitized to that stuff for sure because right, yeah. he'd hear about horrible stuff happening. I, I can sense that he might've had a little of that compassion to take too, because yeah. he just saw the worst of the worst in society all the time. Mm. That it's almost like a defense mechanism. I think that your body sometimes, right or your brain does that. It
0: can't handle all that all the time. Like it's just not. Mm-hmm.
1: So under fight, flight, freeze, or fun, what does that fall? <laughs> 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 I think there's a new uh, one. I think we need a fifth F. Yeah.
0: I feel like I, I need to abandon the four Fs in the course of this conversation. <laughs> you
1: know, the fourth one is compassion fa- fatigue.
0: Fatigue. Oh, fatigue. God. So they call it it's fatigue. Fatigue, yeah.
1: Fatigue is the fifth F. Oh, man. Do you feel like you've experienced more vicarious trauma in your life?
0: I think it's only vicarious trauma when there's a life disruption in your own. So there is secondary trauma, which mm-hmm. is just when... You're,
1: you hear about it or something and it affects you emotionally.
0: Yeah, a distressed experience by a person hearing.
1: But vicarious trauma literally disrupts your life in some way. Like yes. you, can't, you can't think or sleep or work because yeah. you've been affected by someone else's trauma.
0: Right. So thankfully, no, I don't think I, I like I have at some points considered like going into some kind of counseling sort of thing or or maybe I would right. want to work at at um, a at Nova. That's the, the women's shelter sexual assault center. So I considered that. And then I was like, I don't think I could. I think I would really I don't think I could handle it I'm I'm overly I mean you saw me like I you cry my emotions are like right at the edge and yeah it's just it's not
1: I didn't make you cry this episode so maybe you're you know
0: yeah that's
1: true <laughs> <laughs> you're good now you're desensitized yeah
0: I'm already desensitized in the course of these two episodes your compassion
1: I've, fatigue is kicked I've in after fatigued. I've told you too many yeah. stories Yeah,
0: I don't care I don't care about your sad stories anymore
1: <laughs> Josh <laughs> is well is it question if my, with my dad for example is that it's a mixture, right? That's vicarious trauma that I've experienced. Because I've had trouble, you know, it's affected me really deeply.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But it's also, I feel like it's both trauma and vicarious trauma. I'm I, I'm dealing yeah. with his
2: trauma. Right.
1: And I'm dealing with the trauma of potentially losing my father and, and, right. and seeing him suffer. So it's a mixture of both of those, right? It's, it's, it, the line gets blurred.
0: I think so. Because you're dealing with the trauma of being you and having your father deal with that. And you're talking to him all the time. And dealing with what it's like to be him yeah
1: right in a way like try- yeah exactly I feel like trying I'm to understand that yeah and then I'm also just like I have my own
0: yeah.
1: fears and worries and and concerns about about it all yeah yeah wow this has mm-hmm. been really interesting and so you how would you I just ask you then what are some of the ways that like you had to help people like you've asked me what I've done to try to manage my trauma you know like basically for me it's been have great friends who are there for me and yeah you know some great adulthood friends
2: <laughs> <Di-di-ding>.
1: and <laughs> <laughs> also I've never been one to I don't lock things up inside me I'm not like I don't yeah. repress things I think my dad I think he represses stuff mm. I really think he does and I I think my uncle when I told you that story when he kind of like blew up at me about not wearing a jacket yeah I think he had that element of repression in there too mm. we talked about holocaust survivors last episode and some of them are more open to talking and others, other people repress it, right? And I guess there's advantages and disadvantages, but there's a real disadvantage to repression, right?
2: Yeah,
1: it comes out in some way or another, if you don't deal with it. And I've done my best personally to deal with it. I talk about it. Yeah. And not just I'm talking to you about it now. But I've talked about it before, you know, I've talked to my friends. Again, I haven't talked to a professional therapist per se. (laughs) But I've talked to rabbis and teachers and you know, the hardest people that I find to talk about this stuff, with? I can talk to all kinds of people. Do you know who I find it hardest to talk to? Like about, let's say my mother's death. I find it hard to talk to my brothers about it.
0: Oh, I was, okay. I was going to guess that. And then I'm like, that was, I would think that they would be the ones who understand. It triggers
1: things the most actually to talk to them. Oh, okay. because we were all a part of it. And also I feel the most, and a certain empathy. Again, I get that. Like, yeah, it's, it's extra traumatic because I feel right. my brother's trauma as well. God, sure. And yeah. so I don't often, and again, when I talked to my brother and he said, I'm happy she's dead. That was really hard to hear, even though I understood it. Yeah. And talking to my dad about stuff. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: again, my dad she didn't treat my dad great. So I've heard all, my dad both blames himself for what happened yeah. and felt horrible about it and dealt with the trauma. And then he also dealt with the trauma of how she treated him before that. It was, it's a big mess of emotions and talking to my mm-hmm. family about it my immediate family is really, right. Is, is, is really tough. Yeah, I do. But it's tough. So I do think though, in general, not repressing the stuff and figuring out how I feel. And one of the biggest things for me is combating the cognitive dissonance mm. that I feel about stuff, just recognizing that life is gray. Like, yeah, there's no right or wrong. My brother can be right, in his feelings when he said, I'm happy she's dead. And mm-hmm. we could also be right in saying, I'm, I miss her. I miss my mother. Yeah. And that, you know, she, she was a mother to us. Right. And all of that can be true at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's one of the biggest, for me, at least in dealing with, with this trauma is recognizing that mm-hmm. things aren't black and white and just accepting what happened. So you can, you can grieve and move forward and yeah. let, let that, you know, let it be, let it be a part of you yeah. without denying it. Yeah. I think that's the healthiest thing you can do. It doesn't mean it goes away. It doesn't go away. Right. But not denying it, I think it really helps for me, at least. I think Michael Lander, when we had him on talked about that.
0: Yeah, a, a bit. Yeah. And a lot of what you're talking like, dealing with grief, in some ways can be different than also, you know, dealing with an ongoing trauma or an ongoing cognitive dissonance. So like, mm. what you're saying, I mean, just to tie it back to what I was <laughs> the one thing i know a little more about was the the
1: that's what i was going to ask you by the way yeah. i wanted to know yeah. i told you me but what's from what you've learned like i want to know what your thoughts are on how to manage trauma
0: well i don't think i know how to manage trauma i know how to validate like the main thing when you're talking to someone and doing supportive listening is to validate them and support them and empower them so like i mean a lot of the time people will ask you and it's it's kind of strange so like i've had people on the phone like but what should i do what should i do and i'm like I can't tell you what you should do. You know, like you're the expert in your life. You know what what would work for you. Like let's, so you kind of try to give them Mm -hmm. the feeling that they're capable of dealing with something. Again, this is kind of an, it's different because it's an ongoing situation and they'll often be like very, have very mixed feelings. They'll say like, Oh, but I'm not gonna do any better than like this guy supports me, or he does all of this for me, or he's the father to my children, or this is gonna happen. And then, but also he treats me terribly most of the time or some of the Mm. time. It's it's so complex and you can't
1: again that's the whole thing. It's so great. Yeah. It's not black and white and dealing with that. First of all, I've talked about dealing with it mentally. A lot of those people you dealt with are dealing with it physically. Right. Yeah. Do I leave? Yeah. Do I stay? Do I what choice do I make in the moment? That's that's very that's more immediate and to me you know that takes yeah. precedence over just mental grief
0: right and I mean either they don't have anywhere to go or even if they leave like I mean it solves one problem it creates more and I mean their children or mm-hmm. they recently made a um a shelter that has pets as well because okay, a lot of people would stay because they were worried about what would happen Ooh. to their pet if they left
1: Pets are really great at helping deal with trauma yeah. and, You know, emotional support animals and... no
0: they are and I actually remember, like, I hadn't had, like, a proper pet at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, you're in, like, an abusive situation. It's so easy when you don't know exactly what a situation is like to say what someone else should do. Yeah. So I think, like, if you are listening to someone saying something, never tell them what you think you sh- they should do. Right. Because you don't know what it's like to be them.
1: So really, so you don't, but you, you no. like, to me, it would be simple to say, like, if someone is being abusive to you, leave. Like, like don't right. so, stick around. It's not that simple.
0: Well, um. No, there are a lot I've sometimes like I said when I go through the notes it's like repeat callers and Mm. it's a situation that we're keeping an eye on and we'll say so one of the first questions that we ask when someone calls is are you safe right now right and sometimes there isn't room at the shelter so they're like I need to get out and we're like so we don't have room here but just come here and we'll figure something out or like it's not
1: we should say someone if you're dealing with a physical abuse yeah Like we got to figure a way out of that, right? That's not something that's going to. Right.
0: It's not like we're saying, oh, uh, are you not enjoying being horribly treated? Are you not enjoying that? Oh, okay. Well then I guess maybe, no, of course we're, Hmm. we validate like, yes, that's a problem, but it's also, you can't make people do something. Yeah. And a lot of people go back. It it was a really high percentage. I forget exactly, but it was something like, so, so we went into a bit of the psychology of why people go back. What are some of the reasons that someone might return to an abusive situation and I mean it happens all the time
1: yeah yeah I've seen it happen with people I
2: know yeah it's
0: yeah so I mean it's I think it it is really our job not to judge anyone because you really of course yeah and it's it seems so easy to say but it's like okay I mean this isn't a good example but even when you're talking about your mother being abusive I mean she's still your mother what if
1: it's a great example
0: well, it, I mean, it's, ex, it's excessive because I mean, it's your, but it's true. I yeah. mean, people, if this is all they have this, it's their world. It's their whole, world. what if it's the father of their kid? What if they're, what if, if they leave, they're going to be causing problems for someone else. And they're like, if I stay, then nobody, you know, it's, it, there's so many. Of course
1: things. that's yeah. complex. I mean, it's a good example in that you, you're right. That is that non-black and white aspect yeah. there where she might've been abusive at times, but she was still my mother. And I've lost yeah. in losing her. I've lost. Yeah, I've lost the abusive stuff, but I also lost all the good stuff. Right. It's like when you, you know, when you break up with someone, yeah, you break up to lose the bad stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you often are suffering afterwards because you've also lost all the good stuff. For
0: sure. Of course. Yeah.
1: And denying that the good stuff was there doesn't help yeah. either,
0: you know? In those kinds of situations, it's often, I don't want to say Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but like it is often that there's that extreme. And then there's the I'm sorry part where, you know, they're ultra nice and ultra- it's very there's a lot of cognitive dissonance to use one of your favorite terms uh, in those people
1: what does cognitive dissonance mean again let's just define this for anyone who doesn't know
0: well it's when you have two competing ideas in your oh not two or more okay you you define it no you're right it's like i hate i hate defining things i hate defining things it's (laughs) one of my like fears yeah
1: it's having two or more competing beliefs right Mm. and they cause a mental discomfort yeah it's like believing what is, what is the classic example, right? Like you believe you should stop eating to lose weight. but You also mm-hmm. want to keep eating. Like those oh, two, yeah, yeah. you yeah. get a cognitive dissonance about it and you're like doing, you keep yeah. doing one thing and believe one, th- but yet you also believe the other thing in those. right People often get that the, that cognitive dissonance about like say politicians and stuff. Like mm. they support some politician. This is the one I support. Yeah, I believe them, I voted for them. And yet they're doing something I don't like at the same time. Yeah, And then people solve that cognitive dissonance by trying to justify the thing that they don't like. Right or are they, yeah. you know, one way or another, instead of just accept.
0: It's hard to, it's hard to maintain too. Yeah.
1: But as yeah. like I was saying before, I think the key is you have to acknowledge the gray of it all. Mm-hmm. Like you have to say, yeah, I support this person. I don't support this thing they're doing. And yeah. I've weighed the pros and cons and I've chosen this, but yeah. I don't agree with that. That's harder for people to, to do, I think. Yeah. That's
0: definitely difficult. Yeah. So the cognitive dissonance just makes it so that it's not, it's not an easy decision or an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's just where are they supposed to go? Are they supposed to leave their kids? Are they supposed to leave their everything? Like, right. yeah.
1: Well, wow, it's a lot to take on. I can see how that could lead yeah. to the vicarious trauma.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, like I hadn't, I didn't do it for that long. I think there were a few times where I actually now, right now I can't recall as much. Like, but I remember right after a shift, I'd feel really like unresolved because you don't find out a lot of the time what happened. right? It's like, you hear this snippet of a story about someone who's going through this crazy thing and then that's it like
2: right
0: it's not like they're calling back like oh yeah I just wanted to let you know everything's fine like nobody I mean sometimes they will sometimes you'll have the repeat callers or we had like the regulars that would call a lot but like you know
1: does that linger in your brain though not knowing sometimes like I wonder what happened with that
0: yeah sometimes but I would also try not they tell you not I mean this was interesting because Michael said the opposite when we had him on but like they were like try not to take it home with you too much or like sometimes I would just talk to someone about it and then feel like yeah
1: there's different trains of thought on that probably
0: yeah yeah probably yeah but um
1: I I know I'm not I'm not someone to be able to talk about things like sexual assault and stuff like mm -hmm. that and I'm not I don't have the knowledge or the expertise to really discuss that myself but I do you know it's reminded me, you know, like I had an ex-girlfriend who had some uh, pretty tough stories there, uh, yeah. tough experiences. Yeah. That, um, again, I remember hearing one of these stories, and I, I cried. I mm. cried listening to this story that she told me, and I, I just God, I remember just thinking, you know, you know, this thing that she had to deal with, like how does how does it not, like mess you he meant some of this stuff like yeah, mess you up and it does
0: mess you up that's the answer is it does mess you it up it does
1: mess you up and I want to say talk about resilience we it's great we we go oh my god someone's so strong but we it's i don't i don't think we should not be little but we shouldn't something messes you up that's totally natural too if, yeah. if you've been through a messed up experience and yeah. you're not weak you're not weak if you have to deal with that or if it mess if it affects you you know I remember that that ex-girlfriend I remember once we were just like, we were talking I guess he got a little heated like wasn't an argument we were just kind of a mm. what do you call it like it was just a little raised
0: yeah a squabble
1: it wasn't even really a squabble I don't know but as I was talking with her I was just kind of like in my hand I was whole, I had like a coat hanger in my hand and I was kind of like <laughs> waving it around and she like cowered suddenly in fear and backed up and I was like what what's going on what's wrong and she like was in fear like suddenly like froze and backed away yeah. and I I didn't understand. And she was like looking in my hand at the coat hanger. I'm like, Yeah. What? Like, oh, th- this Yeah. What? I raised it up again. She like cowered again. I was like, Oh yeah. my God, you think yeah. I'm like, ah, I dropped it. I was like, what do you yeah. think I was gonna do with that? You think I would yeah. she and she she's like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? You think I would
0: But there's no rational thought, right? It's
1: I was I was just kind of like toying with it. But the thing was that this isn't me, it's something from she was yeah. triggered. Exactly. Something in yeah. her past it triggered her and that yeah. You know that's a trauma response right there, right? Like, and seeing that actually happen, like it's that's, you know, people get PTSD. They get was it PTSD stands for post traumatic stress disorder, right? That's right. It's literally a it's a disorder (laughs) that people have, right? Because it disrupts your life. Mm -hmm. You're not weak. I just want to say if that happens to you, that's a totally normal thing. Yeah. And you're not not resilient, right? If you if you have to fight those demons, you know.
0: Well, yeah. Well, yours, that example is a perfect example of a perceived threat where there wasn't one.
1: Exactly. So I just, you know, I was thinking, you know, you mentioned last time we talked about leaders versus followers in the last episode, and I was just thinking about it. And I guess my personality mindset, I guess, because I feel more, I guess, have more of a leadership mindset Mm -hmm. probably contributed a little to how I manage trauma. I wanted to take control of it. Right. I wanted to. Enact change and affect. You know, I tried to create uh, better circumstances for myself. All this stuff, like right, I kind of like took the reins. Mm -hmm. But I can understand some people have a different mindset where they are look, they're deferring to an authority. They want, they just want an answer. What do I do? Where do I go? What do I do? Right?
0: Yeah.
1: And both of those are valid,
0: of course, kind
1: of coping mechanisms.
0: Yeah. And if you need help, there are there are so many resources for for people. I mean, in a way, not enough, but also there are lots. So I hope people reach
1: out so you're saying it's always it's always
0: good to reach out and
1: to reach yeah so it is good to and that's the whole thing you were saying one of the things that helped me is reaching out and talking to people yeah. not a therapist but talk it starts somewhere right yeah but there's no shame in going to th- there is obviously no, no shame in going not. to speak to somebody all my friends have been talking to friends and therapists and yeah telling yeah. me how great it is I feel a little left out now. I love it I get book
0: recommendations <laughs> 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 I did want to say something with that too oh because you were talking about like how people have trauma imposter syndrome stuff or like how people feel like oh this isn't enough to go to a Mm -hmm. therapist even and now I'm remembering like I would get calls where they were like I don't know if this is even like a good like five minutes of the initial of the beginning of the call would be like I don't even know like this is a crisis I don't know if this is a crisis I don't know if I should be calling
1: oh my god that's literally how I responded on the phone when I called the ambulance like I didn't even know
0: exactly and I'd be like no it's fine yeah please tell me yeah
1: literally my mom was dying in front of me and I didn't know whether I should be calling the ambulance. So yeah, in that situation, I didn't know. You can only imagine. Yeah, It's so easy for people to- You never
0: know. And often the stuff that someone would tell me after not knowing was like, I was like, of course, this is a <laughs> of course yeah, like what you know. Whereas sometimes someone else calls and and they'll be like, oh, I have a this is a problem, and then you're like, oh, okay, like they just actually wanted some supportive listening. That's fine. Anything yeah. is fine, but it's just like people's self evaluation sometimes can be really or like the way you see something in the moment, you don't know or you're less likely mm-hmm. maybe to ask for help naturally. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: well, I just want to say, I if you ever. If you ever need to talk.
0: Well, I I guess I need to talk weekly with you.
1: Even not on the podcast. If you oh, ever just okay, talk,
0: thanks. Thanks, Josh. Same to you.
1: We're friends. And do you feel like we bonded more after after this episode?
0: <laughs> bonded a little too much. I think I'm going to need a week off now, but no. Oh boy. No. <laughs> I appreciate that you opened up and I really, um, I always knew that you went through these things, but it's, um, it's pretty different to really hear the details of how someone went through that stuff because
1: you you heard about it during in the community yeah. like this is yeah you just kind of heard about it at the time like my mom for example I heard about like, it my dad's cancer
0: I mean I'm pretty bad with them um, I'm a very compartmentalized person for like intense stuff yeah so I if I can avoid thinking I I kind of do I think I I think I said something to you at school but I don't I honestly I don't even remember I was but yeah when that stuff happened I
1: was still working at the library with you at the time I'm sure you drove me to oh, the library probably yeah came up at some point yeah, yeah for
0: some reason I don't remember but again I think that's probably some compartmentalizing stuff
1: it was just so cruel and rude what you said that I just forced it out of my brain yeah probably yeah
0: no uh, I don't know, no, I, sure don't know. I don't know
1: I don't know you've always been wonderful Aya. No,
0: like yeah I think we are we're closer now I always feel awkward at the end of this uh, when you say very nice things and I don't know how to respond to them.
1: But I think we're very similar, by the way, we both compartmentalize. And by the way, that's one of the ways that I managed for me, at least a lot of my, my trauma is that I, I would have, I, I put things in box. It doesn't mean I put it away, No. but I box, I put it in a box and so then I could access that box when I wanted to. And I tried yeah. not to let those things bleed right into each other. There'd be people who'd be like, how can you be sure you can work on this thing? Like we're talking about mom's, or something or yeah. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like I can,
2: Yeah,
1: it's kind of like we were talking about in that one episode, like it's separation between fantasy and reality. Mm-hmm. It's not like one of these is fantasy, but it's just the idea that you can separate right things and not let one thing in your mind turn into something that it's not. I try to be just because I went through a trauma doesn't mean that I have to,
0: it doesn't have to rule your,
1: yeah, it doesn't have to rule me in my perceptions. Hmm. Right. It's one thing I, yeah, I can get triggered by a song. I get triggered by a memory, but I, in general, I don't think, and people can tell me otherwise, yeah. maybe they see it differently. I don't think it's suddenly I'm ruder or I, no. <laughs> no, at least you're... I try not to be, but it's true. Sometimes when we are triggered by something, we don't realize how we're coming off. And
2: mm.
1: it's something to work on and well, check our perceptions, you know, check ourselves a little bit. Check yourself.
0: Well, maybe we'll try to trigger you next time and see how you respond. <laughs> we'll have a recording. So now it.
1: I know you, you're going to want to see it <laughs> as a challenge. You want to see, like, can I trigger Josh? I want to trigger him to respond horribly. (laughs) I think
0: I would be, okay, this is a side note, but I was, there was a point during our last phone conversation where I actually thought you might be upset at me. And... I had like this reaction that was like, oh my God, I made Josh mad at me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. How do I deal with this? Like, I couldn't handle it because you're so nice. <laughs> I was
1: like, I'm never mad at you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you actually haven't. At most
1: I get a little irritated. I get, I, not even with I you. Think I think you were irritated. Most I get a little, you might have no, been No, but I probably irritated. wasn't even irritated with you. Okay. I can disagree with someone without being like upset at them.
0: I, it was the way that you said that's not a helpful question. And I was just like, oh my God, I think I'm in. I oh, think no. Josh is- Oh no, i probably
1: just a little too short in the way I said it. No, no,
0: it's fine. So uh, this isn't for you to apologize. This is for me to have some self-awareness. <laughs> Do you know how often I get like kind of irritated and it's nothing to you? Like, it's fine.
1: I irritate <laughs> you all the time. <laughs>
0: no, it's not that you irritate me. It's that I'm quick to anger. I don't know. Like I, I have a temper no. or something, but like-
1: I think you- we talked about this before. You the- You're fine, Aya. Okay, well,
0: you had the tiniest- hint of maybe josh is mad at me and i was like oh my god what have i done the nicest person that like just got irritated with me um it's just it's just funny so well
1: i wasn't for the record
0: yeah no i know yeah yeah because when i brought it up you were like what no (laughs) it's like oh (laughs) unless you're just gaslighting me oh Oh. Oh. who
1: was it episode 14 14 flashback yeah
0: episode 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 14 Episode 14 well
1: all right Aya we're done we're wrapping this up
0: have we been traumatized enough are we uh
1: yeah we've been traumatized have we traumatized all the listeners enough uh
0: I hope so I hope that's uh hope
1: so yeah I hope you were traumatized by my story yeah I
0: hope you were traumatized if
1: not you have no heart <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's> horrible. <laughs> <That's really bad.
0: laughs>
1: or I'm a really bad storyteller
0: no you're great you're a good storyteller I mean I I definitely felt a little traumatized, so if that makes you feel better. Great, I'm glad. Good, all right. You know,
1: I made you cry once, we're good. You did, you did. That's all I wanted, I wanted to make you cry. I
0: mean, it's not a huge feat, like I cry very easily, as we've (laughs) pointed out, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) But it's the first time I made you cry on this podcast, right?
0: I've gotten teary-eyed before, I've just hidden it well,
1: but- Really? No, come on, give it to me. That was episode fifteen. I made you cry. That big. was episode the first. 15. That was a real oh, like. Okay. Yeah. That was a
0: disruptive cry. I have teared up, gotten a little bit
2: misty, eye. watery
0: eye before misty eye. That was the word. Mm. But you haven't been able to see it. Yeah. One of the wonders of Zoom is how easy it is for me to hide my <laughs> my emotions. So. Oh. Yeah, well so.
1: great so we traumatized uh we we're, i didn't traumatize well,
0: well we, i don't know potentially yeah i know we're making a joke now because we're both this is how we deal with this stuff but this um, is how we
1: deal with it we bought a dark sense of humor about all this so you yeah go. yeah well, okay let's uh
0: let's do a serious take us out of here Aya. all right well um thank you for listening and all jokes aside you know if you do need help please like don't hesitate to reach out to someone there's someone who cares about you even if you think it's something small, you should reach
1: out. Yeah. I mean, you can joke about it like us all you want. Yeah, but definitely, joke, we know it still feel, affects you. Should, you should do something about it. And, and there's no shame in that. Yeah. Not only that there's a strength in that. Yeah. There's a real strength in that. Again, you were saying I'm resilient. Maybe I I sometimes I feel like I didn't have the strength mm-hmm. to go and ask for help maybe or, or talk to someone that I should have. and I would justify the way things are. But I think it's worth noting that there's not a strength in not doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: I, I think there's really more of a strength in, in, in reaching a, out when you need it.
0: That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Did you feel like it was like kind of therapeutic to go to even share this?
1: This podcast? Yeah. Like Sharing with you? Aya, uh, talking to you in general is very therapeutic. Like oh. even if this wasn't on a podcast and I was just talking to you, you respond, that's the way nice. you respond to things is really, really wonderful. Like I, I really love talking to you.
0: Oh, that's so nice. It's been Thanks, It's been great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Well, I feel the same. You're, you're a good listener too.
1: What do you mean? You didn't tell me. You didn't. You didn't share any. Hardly any stories. So apparently, you don't think. <laughs> but should. if I were
0: to, I would know that you would listen well. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been another episode of Adulthood Friends, episode 16, and thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to follow us on Facebook and subscribe, follow whatever on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. I think that's about it. Is that it, Josh?
1: Well, how do we usually end this thing, Aya?
0: Um, I don't know. I guess one of us is saying something, blubity blup, blup, bopity, boop, and then the music just kind of.
1: What does it? What does the music do?
0: No, you're not gonna get me again.
1: Okay, you again. What are you talking about? You're not you, gonna, you gonna get me. Again. Your, you stopped mid sentence, and I don't know what you were about to say. You, what does the music do? You're
0: just. You're gonna put the music back there. The music there. What are you talking about? Well, that's the thing we do, isn't it?
1: I'm gonna do the mute. What are you saying? You were in the middle of a sentence. I want to let you finish what you were saying. <laughs>
2: uh...
1: I interrupt you enough in this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you with the music.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the bit. That's the bit we do. Is that the music interrupts one of us.
1: What are you talking about? Aya? This is a very yeah. serious episode. we're no, just gonna. Yeah, we're talking about trauma this episode. You think I'm just gonna have the music interrupt?
0: is the podcast that never never
1: ends ends. that's a traumatic song by the way yeah song is traumatizing I
0: actually am sorry that I even brought it up because now it'll be in my head (laughs) (laughs) I can't